When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Manchester's indie rock and roll station, Access Manchester. The Access Manchester Long Player, an iconic album in full with Jim Salverson. Access Manchester. Welcome to the Excess Long Player, classic indie albums discussed in full with the people who helped make those albums. These interviews are all taken from an hour-long radio show on Excess Manchester, where I play the albums in full and talk to the people involved. So if you're not massively familiar with this album at present, you might want to go and listen to the whole thing before you get stuck into this interview, just to remind yourself. You can find the link to today's album in the description of this podcast. And today's album is a true Manchester classic from a truly iconic Manchester band. It is the Happy Mondays' third album that came out on Factory Records right at the start of the 1990s and the album where the Happy Mondays really started to experiment more with that dance sound, more with those house music inspirations that gave them the sound that we kind of associate with them today. But as you'll hear in today's interview inspirations that had been there for the band since right at the very beginning of their journey. The album is Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches, and to talk about it, I chatted to Gaz Whelan, Gary Whelan, the drummer of Happy Mondays, about the recording of the album over in America and how this album became considered as the very zeitgeist of the Manchester and Baggy scene alongside the Stone Roses. Now, this interview was done as part of a conversation I had with Gaz about his new project, The Magic Village, and there was never any intention to put this interview out as a full-length podcast, but some of the stories are just too good not to share. So settle back as I speak to Gary Whelan from The Happy Mondays about the classic album, Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. This is the Excess Long Player. Start off, tell me what your memories are of recording pills thrills and belly aches well we've done a long tour well, no we haven't done a long tour we've done a tour seem like a long tour we did a tour of the states and it's always good to record an album at the end of the tour because you're all pretty you're ready for a to be stationary somewhere for a while you're also really tight and playing well i remember it being a, a really good time i remember being we ended up in la it's in the basement of the building of, of the capitol building which is a famous building which was built on the money of nat king cole we were recording the studio that was recorded unforgettable nat king cole uh, pet sounds Lots of stuff. I remember Ian Ashbury from The Cult being in the studio all the time, even though we didn't realise it was in for a week. And I remember it just being in a basement, so it's cool. I remember LL Cool J was in the next studio, and there was a basketball court between us, and we used to go there for a smoke, and he used to go there to play basketball, and we ended up... <laughs> so it's just off uh, Hollywood Boulevard, which is kind of the cheesy Blackpool part of it all. But it's also a good spot as well. The stories that we hear of the Happy Mondays recording albums, and I'm thinking particularly of the events in the Caribbean, are of hedonism and carnage. Was that the case when this one was being put together or was there more a studious approach to the 
the writing and production behind Pills and Thrills? More of a studious approach, but there was still, we had, yeah, certainly. I mean, we were staying across Los Angeles, so we, every night we'd get taken back by uh, Les, who's a guy from Manchester to drive us. So we didn't really have time, but the first day we got picked up in this like kind of van who'd taken us, and we got to the highway, the motorway, just before we come off to the studio. There was a traffic jam, and there was some blokes fighting, some bloke fighting with another bloke on the bonnet of a car. We thought, who's that lunatic? Anyway, so anyway, we drive off, we get to the studio. We had a couple of hire cars. We hired one car, but we obviously we didn't get to use it because we were working all the time, but Bez was driving it. And uh, Paul Oakenfold had a hire car, but he had a Mustang convertible, of course he did, because he's a cockney. So he had a red Mustang convertible. And then we get there and we're in the studio. The first 10 minutes of the studio, we get introduced to the guy, the engineer. Bez comes running in. I can't swear, but he's coming in swearing, going, oh, just got into a fight on the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> And then all these women got off and said, self he was in, you know what I mean? So he was like, stay here. So we stayed here for a while. And then I remember, the first thing I remember saying to the studio engineer was, who was in here before us, who was the band was in before? He said, oh, I've had Whitney Houston for three months. And I said to him, this is back in 1990, don't forget. So I said, so, so that must have been boring. And he went, boring? It was absolutely insane. There was parties, there was drug taking, there was, I don't even want to tell you what he was saying. He said, there was all sorts going on. And I thought he was being sarcastic. I went, yeah, yeah, of course, right, yeah. But it turns out he, was, he wasn't, he was being very serious. So. Paul Oakenfold and Steve Osborne were brought in to produce on this album and it kind of gave it this indie slash house music crossover feel. I mean, which was really revolutionary at the time. Did it feel that way when you were making it? Did it feel like you were kind of striking out and creating something new? No, because the previous album, Bummed, which we did in, I think, 88 up in North Yorkshire, and that was the album where we kind of was experimenting with Exorcy and stuff, 87, 88. So I remember in Tony Wilson's book, he says he came up to Driffield, which is North Yorkshire, to visit us. And he said he walked in the control room and me and Paul were at the desk with the with Martin Hannah, not because we were being more studious than the others, just because it was out, whatever. And then he said, where's the others? And we just pointed our finger and he went in the back and he said there was a, a blaster in the corner of music, just playing house music 24-7. And people were in there and it was like a party going on in this back room. And we was listening to dance music, but not playing it on the albums. And me and Paul were very heavily into soul and funk. Paul, especially funk. I was into soul music. So we, we kind of we were kind of a rubbish soul funk rhythm section anyway. And Osborne was very indie. So Osborne did all the desk stuff, all the producing. But Oakenfold would play his records. I remember God's Cop, I was struggling with the drum groove. He had this drum groove, I was struggling with it. He said, oh, come and listen to these 1970s funk soul albums. And there's one from 73, and I think it was Isaac Hayes. And it had this groove. And I mean, a certain ratio of music, similar groove, but it's still a bit different. So just basically, he played the groove and I played over the top of it with a click track. He just recorded it and chopped it up into sections. So, you know, all was an influence in, in that way. There were a few accusations that came out when this album was released that Happy Mondays had sold out because they created a album that was a bit more pop than what had come before, that you were going to kind of take residency on top of the pops. Did those accusations hurt? Probably the opposite. I think, I think you, come, you, you come to a point where... You've got to do a couple of them albums so it gives you time to do what you want later. You know, it's like, you're in about, you know, this is probably a wrong analogy, but, you know, you're about, you know, movie stars saying you have to do a couple of them action films so I can do something that I really want, you know. Mm. But that wasn't the case. It was a time of dance music, so we wanted a more kind of better produced sound, let's say. And we, we were in there to, you know, we got to, we got a taste of it. And then probably, I think that's what bands do. You just naturally, you know... We had no plan to become a big band or anything. So when we did, we was like, oh, let's just go with this. It wasn't a case of, oh, no, let's go back to our indie roots. It was, that wasn't the case. So we never, pre-med- nothing was ever premeditated with the Wonders. It was genuine rock and roll. We just went for it and followed the path. There was no decision-making. It's undoubtedly a brilliant album. It's a groundbreaking album as well. What's your favourite track from the 10 that are on there? 
I, and it'd be probably very, very obvious, but Bob, uh, not Bob Junkle, I do like that track, it's very different at the time, but I think uh, Dennis and Lois was kind of, because of the car changes, it's very different from what we did, so there must have been, I think there's a Steve Osborne influence. So I, I kind of, I like, I like that, and that's a lot of people's favourite book. I like the dirtiness of God's Cop. King Afro was the first song we recorded, and he was called Groovy Afro, and because we'd, we'd had this one pretty nailed, and we went in, and uh, the family's groovy train, so Charlie says later to King Afro, but I remember leaving the studio, as Sean was doing the vocals, he didn't like people in the studio. I remember uh, he didn't mind me staying for some reason, but I was leaving and I heard him sing that Sun I'm Fertile, I only went with you, you know. I remember thinking that's either going to come back to one him or it's going to be a, a classic, you know what I mean? Oh, and I thought the latter, I thought it'd be a classic and it has become a great line. Yeah, I think Sean Ryder as a lyricist is regarded now as one of the greats, as this urban poet, but... I'm wondering, as his kind of mates that were hanging around with him at the time and from the outside looking in, it looks like you were just having a great time. Did you kind of regard him in that kind of status at the time or was it just one of your mates doing his thing? You know what, we never, said, we never spoke to each other about, about lyrics. Well, how the band wrote songs, we wrote the music, so we jammed the music, we'd get the music together. Sean would come in, sit down on the floor, cross-legged with a pen and a microphone and he'd write the lyrics and sing, you know. And most of the time, we'd be just laughing because it'd be things that were going on around our little in-jokes. It's one of them things where we didn't think, like British comedy, Monty Python, how, how that translates to America. We thought it would translate outside our, our group, our inner sanctum of, of madness. And I thought, I didn't think he would do, but it did. But we never, you know, he'd never say, I'd just say, we'd say that thing, great lyrics there. Or he'd say, I like the great music, I like that. But there was never any, you know, that old kind of working class, I don't know, it's insecurity on, on both sides. But we don't, no one ever complimented each other. <laughs> I've always just thought it's like a therapy session this I just realise that but no we never really discussed it never yeah absolutely brilliant guys that's absolutely perfect mate thank you very much for that I really appreciate it perfect thank you nice one man bye the Excess Manchester Long Player an iconic album in full with Jim Salverson Excess Manchester Thank you very much for listening to The Excess Long Player. Classic album conversations with the people who helped make those albums. There's a load more to go at in this series, so make sure you listen to the other episodes. Talking Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches, Happy Mondays, Cortina, St Jude, Mosley Shoals, Ocean Colour Scene, Hour of the Wildebeest, Damon Goff and Kaiser Chiefs Employment. That's season one. Season two is coming soon and if you want to get a notification as soon as that podcast series is up click follow now and we'll send you a note as soon as season two is available plus if you know someone who would love this podcast maybe we've covered one of their favorite albums make sure you tell your mates about it and if you want me to do a specific album with a specific person then why not get in touch you can find me on twitter at mr underscore jim bob but i'll see you next time for the next excess long player Manchester's indie rock and roll station, Access Manchester.